The O3C Podcast is a proud member of the HyperX Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of the O3C Podcast, coming to you from O3C Games! Who are we? My name's Jonathan Dunn. I'm joined by two friends, Chris Dow. Dirty or clean? And Minty Booth. It gets the shit off your bottom and your finger won't go through. (laughs) And we are chatting about our very favourite video games. Announcement! Announcement! I want you to stop what you're doing right now. And if you haven't done so already, head over to o3c.games and check out our supplementary website where you can find every single episode of the podcast we've ever recorded. And alongside that, you can find things like reviews, articles, features, thoughts, all manner of things employing the written word to get our opinions over to you. They're great reads and we strongly encourage you to just have a great time with them. And if you have enough of a good time, or even if you don't, we have a Patreon as well, patreon.com forward slash O3C games. If you enjoy what we're doing, why not become a, a regular giver? You'll get access to our Discord. You'll get access to deleted scenes and special episodes. All manner of wonderful things await you. Our lovely community is ready to welcome you. And even if you don't want to give regularly, then a one-off donation is perfectly acceptable as well. You can find that button on o3c.games slash support. We'd love it if you did. Thanks for listening, and now thanks for listening to the rest of the episode. Find inflation the old-fashioned way, by spending less money. Check out the HyperX store at Amazon.com to find great Prime Day deals on July 12th and 13th. Stock up on new gaming gear so you'll be equipped for the new launches and content drops. Mark your calendars and set your alarms. Deals like this won't stick around long. So, we're gathered in the shadow of our top 100 favourite video games of all time lists. And now we've said, well, there's some games we've played and we need to put them in our list. How do we do that? We've been talking about the games that we've played more recently that we want to get into our list and just selecting one game to go out to make room for one new game. And it's Minty's turn this week to tell us how he's going to amend his list even further. But before we do that... We're going to talk about what we've played this week, and Minty is going to kick us off. Mm, Yeah, I'd love to. So, alongside what I'm going to be talking about later, what have I been playing? I think last week I did complete Doom 64. Yes. I tried doing the quote-unquote fun levels, but I I just cannot do them. It hasn't knocked my confidence. I know that, uh, that they are meant to be hard as well as fun. I'm just not very good at fighting the Cyber Demon, the great big one that will shoot three rockets at you. That bellend. I just can't get the timing right. I can't dodge him properly. Like The one level that I am struggling on, Cat and Mouse, it's like a maze with thin corridors. The Cyber Demon is, is running after you. You've got imps throwing fireballs at you. Every now and then the Cyber Demon will, uh, it will teleport behind you. There's very limited ammo. And even if he misses you, you if the rocket hits the wall next to you you'll still get killed from the splash damage so i think i'm gonna have to to watch some better doom players than me play it just to figure out how they do it do they go into the middle bit that has the toxic waste in the middle or do they stick to the corners and just dodge behind every single time that he fires a rocket i don't know i don't know but my strategy of just standing there and hoping that i kill him before he kills me it's not serving me too well so i have put it to bed now And I'm sure I'll pick it up again at some point next year and just play through the whole thing again. It's like, it's like those people that just read The Hobbit every year, isn't it? Mm. It's just something nice to come back to, something nice to play through. But yeah, what else have I been playing? 
Not a huge amount, actually. We've we've just come back from camping, so I guess technically we have been playing Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Other than that, mostly just these these little idle games that I've been playing on the phone. Oh, I tell you what, I have been playing. Do you remember Twenty Forty Eight? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's a good game. It is a good game. I haven't been playing it, no. but I have been playing something that was incredibly inspired by it. Imagine Twenty Forty Eight and bowling. You have a cube that has a number on it. You fling it down to the other end of the screen and then you'll get another cube and you have to fling that to the other end of the screen. Now here's the clever bit. If two cubes of the same colour touch, they'll become a bigger number. Like if you throw two twos together, they'll become a four. Two fours become an eight. It is like 2048, but instead of just going in four directions, you can only send it down an alleyway. It's not that fun <laughs> thinking about it. Because But it sounded it. <laughs> yeah, well, no, no, it, it is fun. But I think I've actually completed it now because all the cubes, they sort of bounce hither and thither whenever you hit them into each other. There's a nice sort of physical randomness to it. It's not like Tetris where it's sort of grid-based, I suppose. So there is that sort of, would it be the analog element to it? It's not regimented. It's not grid-based. So they can get wedged in. You can have just a little gap that you can't get a bit through, but you can sort of start to prise them apart by just smashing cube after cube into them and breaking them apart like somebody trying to open a lift in a horror movie i got to i think it was 256,000 the number on the cube and it just disappeared when i threw another one into it that's the end of numbers though isn't it i think that is the last one i've completed numbers <laughs> that's what i've learned now so as soon as you get 256,000s and smash them together there isn't a bigger cube it just disappears and goes into your high score i was kind of hoping that it would just go on forever i wanted to like I've heard rumours about this thing called a million. That's very far-fetched. Tosh. Very, very far-fetched. Well, yeah, I think it's purely theoretical, so... That's a progressive rock band, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Very, very niche. (laughs) I know. Very niche. I know, I know. I don't think I've been playing anything else, actually. I mean, I'm carrying on with this idle grimoire. That's just numbers go up. I'm a magician, I suppose. I'm writing out runes in this book. Like I said last week, they're not very interesting games, so it's hard to say anything interesting about them. But I'm still playing them. I'm still playing them. There's a bit of crossover, I think, with my gaming activity, because uh, talking about numbers go up is how best to describe my adventure through Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak. Ah. It's just numbers go up, things get harder, weapons get stronger, armor gets stronger. It seemingly just keeps going. It continues to be outstandingly good fun every quest is incredibly satisfying it's just great i just love it i've now beaten the sort of main game of this massive expansion and i've unlocked the post game you might be thinking isn't that all just the game (laughs) yes is the answer but i think it's a way of capcom disguising just how much game there is by going oh here's some credits (laughs) just kidding here's game uh, there's so much game. It's insane. It's insane in the mem game. And I... <laughs> like, I thought that the content of the game was about the same as half of Monster Hunter Rise. And then there was twice as much. So it may as well be twice as big as 
you know, the standard game, this expansion, albeit using a lot of shared assets, uh, etc. It's just wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. There's a, just continues to be new sort of twists and new evolutions on the formula when you think you've got a handle on something. It's like, uh-oh, these monsters are afflicted. What does that mean? You'll have to find out by playing it. The boss battles, like the final sort of boss battle of the main story, was just so great. It was so epic. I mean, the monster design just continues to be extraordinary uh, and awe-inspiring and just, yeah, just great. It's just great. Online experience, still great. Managed to do some more co-op stuff with my friend Casper, and that's been really, really good fun as well. I continue to learn a lot from him, who's sort of avidly played, I think, pretty much every Monster Hunter entry. He knows his way around these games very well, so it's been very useful to be like, oh, are you doing this with your cats when you're not on a mission? No? Oh, well, if you do, then you'll be better. Thanks, Casper! <laughs> it continues to be brilliant, and I'm just going to keep playing it until, I don't know, until I beat everything. I'm currently just mopping up side quests, so I can then focus on ticking off the main quests. But, yeah, it's just... I love it. I love it. Can't recommend it highly enough. It's brilliant. And now I've got a piece of layered armour for my Palamute, my dog, that makes it appear that he's a floating warrior ghost. Well, that is nice. Ooh. Yeah, so Philip is floating along behind me now. I love it. Love it. What else have I played? I've continued to play Grindstone as well. It's feeling more grinding than stoning because some of the later levels are very hard. I think I said the other week that I, I don't tend to muck around with any of the different equipment and special weapons and all of this sort of stuff just because... You get three sort of weapons, and I like the ones that just recharge between matches, so I'm not just spending resources on making stuff. But then I look and see that I've got literally thousands of these uh, materials, and so I've decided to investigate that side of the game a bit more, and lo and behold, makes things easier. <laughs> so, so I'm embracing that a bit more and uh, continuing to make progress in that. And, I mean, again, continues to be very, very fun. It's, it's been less fun in these later levels just because there's so many sort of new traps and mechanics and things that you need to sort of take into consideration. So you can't just churn out these incredible chains. It's a bonus if you can just make it add up to 10. So it doesn't quite have the same ring of satisfaction about it. But, you know, still grinding it out. Grinding out a win is still very good and still great. And I continue to love it. I love the animation. It never gets old. My friend sent me a video of his son jumping up and dancing to Ode to Joy playing at the end of a Peggle level <laughs> that they were playing uh, on the back of, of hearing us chat about it. And yeah, that level of satisfaction is still there in Grindstone no matter how many hundreds of times I've beaten these jerks. It's just the sense of absolute pure anger in his face when he just stops and trembles when killing a jerk. It's just endlessly funny every single time. I love it. I did play the demo for Live Alive. Oh, yes. Because I was quite curious about that. I was trying to weigh up whether or not I wanted to get that or Xenoblade Chronicles 3 to be my next sort of big JRPG fix. And I can tell you now that Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is going to be my next JRPG <laughs> fix. <laughs> it's not that Live Alive is poor at all. I'm sure there's going to be a load of people who are going to love it. I didn't really like the battle system in it. It's sort of a mix of turn-based and placement-based. So sort of like Fire Emblem slash Advance Wars 
but feeling like real time. I just didn't like it. I didn't like it. It felt like it was a bit out of my control. And also I didn't realise that the, the different sort of stories that are set in the different time periods that form up this narrative, they're, they're entirely independent of each other. I thought it was going to have more of a crossover thing like Octopath does where you can sort of, you know, progress certain stories and they'd link up and they'd overlap. From what I've read, it does seem to just be essentially a collection of six small JRPGs or however many characters there are. So despite it looking really, really cool and despite, you know, some a lot of elements that look like they're really good fun, it's going to be a hard pass. Well. Which means I am very much looking forward to Xenoblade Chronicles 3 if I finish playing Monster Hunter by then, <laughs> which I may or may not have done. Chris, what have you played this week? Similar to the two of you, it's been a week of just business as usual, carrying on with a few things. I think at the moment, as we get close to the end of the school year for me, I'm both more busy and less busy than normal. It's a bit of a paradox because there's less pressure placed on things I need to organise for now because the year is coming to a close, but a growing pressure on next academic year. And teachers are always maligned for having too many holidays, but I think it's worth reiterating, as any educator will, that there's never really true downtime throughout the year and that as great as the summer break is, a big part of it is still occupied by planning and resourcing and just generally fretting about the new year in September and the new crop, as it were. So basically, I've not really played anything new. And as such for listeners, it's probably quite a boring week. <laughs> like <laughs> I've hit 60 hours in everybody's golf now. Wow. But, but after last week's Condor saga, there's nothing to really report. Just that I'm chipping away at the last cumulative challenges here and there. My brother Tom came over one evening and we made another little bit of progress in Angry Birds. You know, that's still something that's on in the background. We do 10 or 15 levels and then a few months down the line we do a few more. Again, very little to say about the experience other than the PS3 is still chugging along happily. Oh, good, good. Which is good. You know, I don't have to replace that just yet. I did finally beat the 150 puzzles of Pokemon Picross. Oh, well done. And as expected, it did unlock a further mode of like 50 odd harder puzzles. Not of Generation 2 monsters, which I thought was surprising given when the game was initially slated to release. But instead you get these cute little pictures of like a Diglett and an Onyx having a staring contest. Or of Pikachu stood on a rock or something like that. Or partner pictures, I like that. Yeah, that kind of thing. And And the puzzles are a bit tougher, they're a bit bigger, they don't allow kind of opening hints. So I imagine these 50 puzzles will probably take me about the same length as the main adventure did. I did go back and ensure I beat all 150 original panels under part-time, as this makes the individual Pokemon show as caught rather than just seen in your Pokédex. And I was pleased to find out that this triggers a final 151st puzzle, which is, of course, Mew. Hey! And it's it's all very nice. Like, I think it's a real shame that this game never had a retail release, as it's a really good Picross game. It sounds it, yeah. And easily my favourite of that era, like from the original Game Boy ones, Mario Picross 1 and 2, and then the ones that came out on the Super Nintendo as well. So it's just a shame that for whatever reason, Nintendo decided it's not viable and we're not going to do it, because it's lovely. I've played a few more races in Wreckfest. Oh yeah. Still a lot of fun. I have been considering picking up the PS5 version in addition to the Switch, as... Even though the Nintendo version for me is more technically impressive because it's running on this cut-down hardware, I think playing it at 4K60 would be a really great time. But again, it's not a pressing need. (laughs) It's something that maybe if I see it for £15 one day on like an Amazon deal, I might grab it just to, you know, see what it's like in that kind of shinier form. The only other thing really that stood out this week was a couple of cool Evercade announcements for upcoming cartridges. Oh yeah! The first one, a double pack of Hours Awakening and Cathedral. And there's nothing too special at first glance, but 
it's unique because Cathedral is the first Evercade game that will be developed natively for the hardware. So every other one of the 300 or so titles so far released is running via emulation on the machine. But Cathedral has been ported to the Evercade spec specifically. And that's quite exciting because it may open the door for further modern indie titles getting these cool cartridge releases. So quite excited about that. And the second was a collection of Commodore 64 games, just out of nowhere it felt like. And it's a platform I have next to no experience of, so I'm looking forward just to trying out some of these hand-picked titles for this old machine. The release also marks the start of a new line of blue box cartridges for the Evercade, all packaging games from like microcomputers and early home computers. So it seems like in time we could get an Amiga collection or a Spectrum collection or something like that. Nice. And it's just exciting that that would really expand the library of the Evercade to be just this nice way to access all these different prongs of games history. So, you know, my shelves will have red boxes for the console games and they've got purple boxes for the arcade games and now the blue boxes for home computers. And as I've said several times, it's just a really cool machine to collect for. I still really, really like it. But that is... That's it. Cool. That's it. It's all I've done. I regret to say that I haven't really utilised my Evercade as much as I thought I was going to, but I think that's, I think, partly <laughs> and mostly to do with the Steam Deck. Very similar timing, yeah. Absolutely. Wonderful, generous birthday gift from you at the end of last year, but there wasn't a huge amount of time between me getting that, and I really enjoyed playing the, the cartridge that you got me with that. But yeah, I think I'm going to be picking that collection up and getting back into it, which would be really good fun. Excellent. So, Minty, do you want to tell us what your amendment is this week? Please tell us all about this game. Hopefully it is a game and not a (laughs) non-entry, as has been flouted recently. Please tell us all about it and tell us what game you're taking out. I will. Good. I've gone on records on numerous occasions just how much I hate most every piece of theatre I've seen in the past decade, if not in general. Not in that I think theatre is shit way, but like the tall skinny guy from Ratatouille. If I don't love it, I don't swallow. (laughs) When I think of the things that must warrant a swallow off Anton Ego, it's, it's easy to think of a whole list of happy superlatives. If the dish is imaginative, if it's high quality, if it's forward thinking, nostalgic, delicious, enjoyable, the experience of the meal overall, and so on and so forth. I think it's in the combination of these strengths that will get Ego masticating and engaging the epiglottis. Catherine and I get McDonald's once a week as a treat. Uh, it's tasty, it's affordable, it's easy to get a hold of, but am I going to do a, like a shit travel TikTok being all like, you have to visit this hidden gem on Newport Road? <laughs> no, of course I'm not. The best burger that I've ever had is from Charlie's Old Fashioned Hamburgers in Fort Worth classic roadside burger joint incredible tasting food the company of my wife and family sitting outside on a cool summer evening with chatter and cheers mingling with the ball game on the tv inside it was the complete package everything that makes enjoying a burger just dialed up to about 150 percent most theater i see is stymied either by the lack of imagination or budgets both things that are unfortunately endemic to an industry that is throttled by state funding, fairly insular and quite pretentious. So many pieces seem to be preoccupied with challenging an audience, and that's it, using a a basic understanding of the arts as a tool for social change as the only motivation for making whatever miserable telling off they've managed to get a flyer printed for. (laughs) It's not enough. You've got to make it enjoyable, damn it. I mean, let's take Love Song by Frantic Assembly. I think they did it well. 
a playful and heartfelt exploration of a marriage over decades. It has humour, sadness, it had wonderful storytelling, fantastic movement pieces, a beautiful set, wonderful bits of allegory, the old and the younger versions of this couple. They were all mixed together to make something that was just utterly compelling to watch. It's everything that makes a great story dialed up to about 150%. I wish the Nintendo Switch had a better user interface. You know me, I like facts and figures. I like, I like to know about the things that I play. Something a little deeper than, you've played this for 30 hours. Today's game was the first game that I downloaded on the Switch, I think. If the Switch had any more information, I would have loved to have had a look at it to, to verify this claim, but there we go. So it's the first game that I downloaded on the Switch, I think, back when the eShop was comparatively barren. Like nobody had really started adding deluxe ports and remasters to the little machine just yet. And every time I play this game, I'm taken back to the summer of 2017. We just moved into a little house just outside the city centre. Lovely little place with low ceilings, a little kitchen, a classic downstairs commode. My bedroom had a funny slant in the floor because it was above the stairs. Really lovely little place. It's warm, inviting, loads and loads of lovely memories. I'm staring at the cover art as we speak. And as I just look at it, I'm taken back. I'm sitting in that living room. The soundtrack from the game is turned low. There's a, there's a sweet, dark beer on the arm of the chair. The brass instruments are just sort of tinkling out of the switch, mingling with the dark chocolate notes of the beer and the soft carpet underfoot. It's an incredibly comforting memory, which is fun to think about because comforting is probably the last word you'd use to describe Disgaea 5, Alliance of Vengeance, which is my game today. <laughs> For those who don't know, Disgaea is what I would probably call an open menu series. In the same way that open world games plonk you down in the middle of a field and dare you to go wherever you want, Disgaea starts off as a it appears to be a strategy JRPG that looks like Fire Emblem collaborated with Crunchyroll. It's, like, it's grid-based, it's turn-based, and it's big enemy titty-based. <laughs> it's the basic premise. Instead of planets, the universe is made up of netherworlds ruled by demon overlords. One overlord, Void Dark, is invading and taking over netherworlds hundreds, millions at a time, amassing a huge army to crush all those who oppose him. That includes you, the mysterious main character with a tragic and hidden past. The protagonist is a wandering demon named Killia, the classic anime protagonist. He's brooding, he's dark, he's sullen, he's unwilling to make friendships in case they get hurt, etc. and so on. All kinds of tropes are exemplified by the unlikely alliance that he finds himself leading. There's the boneheaded jock, Red Magnus, whose primary motivation is becoming the strongest demon overlord in terms of sheer bulk. There's Lady Serafina, the preppy flirt, who considers all men her servants. There's also Christo, who is the more reserved middle manager type character, the strategist who keeps a level head in most situations and is always on hand to deliver a snarky comment, and so on and so forth. And then there's the series mascot, the Prinnies, the overworked, underpaid, indentured, plush penguin servants whose main use is blowing themselves up with a bomb sewn into their bellies. Then on the other end of the field, the classic villains are all here too. There's big dumb brutes, there's stoic generals, there's wily tricksters, and 
the mastermind behind them who's always two steps ahead, tantalising and taunting the team at every opportunity, daring them to keep up with him. It may sound formulaic, and uh, that's because it is, to be honest with you, but it's played with an incredible sincerity and just enough self-referential humour to make every cutscene, every skit, every little interaction compelling watching, almost addictively so. I often wonder what directors do with voice actors in video games where the flow is dictated by the player pressing a button to advance dialogue. It's hardly ever done well, I don't think, especially when characters have big speeches that take up a few text boxes that basically require you to go... And then what? Halfway through a paragraph at inopportune moments, just because that's where it gets cut off on the screen. And what Disgaea does is remedies this by, I can only assume, having the director just blast into the recording studio, give each voice actor their lines one at a time, and give them just one direction. Read this sentence like your life depends on it. (laughs) No context, no story. You can look at the character you're voicing once. <laughs> just just summon something up from deep within yourself and go for it. And it works. Every single line is an event in itself. And it just makes you think, are they taking the piss? <laughs> and they can't be taking the piss. This works too well. Simultaneously. Line reading. Archetypal characters and the classic revenge story. Dialed up to 150%. Going back to the idea of the, uh, the open menu game. When we think of JRPGs, we imagine things like uh, equipable weapons, skills, armor, stats, leveling up, farming gold, experience, and using items. You stick a sword on your character, they go and slash things with it. Then a little bit further down the line, you get a stronger sword, and then you give them the stronger sword. And they slash even stronger enemies, and so on and so forth. It's a very satisfying and familiar gameplay loop that we all know and love. Going back to this idea of taking things up to 150%, there are items, there are there is armour, there are weapons in this game. But instead of just buying an item, then buying a stronger one, then buying an even stronger one and being done with it, there's little things in the menu that you can use to make your character and your items even better. You can build up your your army with different kinds of units. There's things like warriors, magicians, healers, all that good stuff. The more you use them, the better they get, the higher their skill class gets. The higher the skill class gets, the more different units you can unlock. So, for example, if you had your warrior and your mage at level 2 and 3, you unlock the magic knight, who I guess is like uh, the classic red mage from Final Fantasy. You can do different quests to unlock different character classes. Like You can go and beat a harder version of a story boss to unlock their dad or their master that you can then invite into your army, into your alliance of vengeance, as it were. And that's not all. You can unlock items, characters, but then you can also unlock things that make those characters and items even stronger. There's things called evilities, which I think is a portmanteau of evil and ability, which you can equip to characters to give them stat boosts or passive effects in battle. There's also things called innocence, which do the same thing, but for your items. Now, here's where it gets a little bit more complicated, because if you put your innocence onto an item, then you can go into the item and fight the innocence to make them stronger. Yeah. So you're making your item stronger as you're fighting the items in it, And then you come out of the item, you equip it, and it's even stronger. It's a little more involved than just buying the silver sword instead of the bronze sword in the shop. And it's, like I said, it's levelling up, it's new equipment, just taken to 150%. 
there's also cheating. Cheating is an integral part of the game because there's a whole freaking shop for it. <laughs> Instead of being like, oh, just press A to win the game, you can use sliders to turn down or turn up the percentage of your experience, gold, or skill level gain. So you can tweak how you level up in the game to your own design. It's phenomenal, really. It's like micromanagement made fun. It's amazing. It really is. And then in the basement of your base, you've got the Dark Assembly, who you can basically have a roundtable discussion with. You can bribe them, you can threaten them to give you new abilities, new quests, new costumes, I think, or different things that'll take place in the next battle. I mean, that's that's barely scratching the surface. There is so much to do in this game, and it's... Oh, it's amazing. It's really, really good fun. And like all Disgaea games, the main story is effectively the tutorial. Once you're done, you, you've got the end credits, everything ramps up and becomes super, super hard, super quickly. And much like an open world game, you're left to fend for yourself. Like You've been trained in all the tools that you'll need in the main game to get you up to their level in time, but it's just putting the hours into the grind. Now it's time to get started on your journey to level 9,999. And it doesn't stop there because then you can reincarnate, go back to level one with boosted stats and do the whole thing again. And before you know it, you're dealing millions and millions of damage to enemies in one hit. Big numbers go up, taken to about 150%. At least. <laughs> it's like nothing I've ever played before. It's so involving, it's so nerdy, it's just sheer unabashed fun we talk about games that were made for us it seems on this podcast we've had things like dead cells for jonathan but this one for me is i think the game that was made for me disgaea 5 i think it's amazing it's really really good but that's not to say that everybody will enjoy it because i know that it sounds incredibly confusing but if you're of that mindset where you can genuinely look at a spreadsheet and have a good time then give it a go. You've just successfully sold the game to Andy Smith. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Cock Chariot game, right? No, no. No, that's Shin Megami Tensei. Oh, Tensei, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There is a subtle sexual undertone to it. Like I said, big anime titties. Yeah. Anywho, let's place it in the list. Right. i tell you what I'm going to do. Because we've established in the past couple of weeks that there is no room in this podcast for the bending of any kinds of rules. Goddamn right. <laughs> it's going to be a straight swap. I'm putting Disgaea 5 Alliance of Vengeance in at number 19, Ooh. and I'm taking out Final Fantasy 1 and 2 Dawn of Souls. Wow. Two games on one cart? What was I thinking? You're thinking you're getting rid of two games and putting one in, so in a way you've actually balanced things out after Chris's behaviour the other week. There we go. <laughs> no need to thank me. I've played the first Disgaea back on the PlayStation 2. It's the only time I gave that series any time, but I really enjoyed it back then. I don't think I made that much progress, really, and yet I still played it for probably like 30, 40 hours, I think, on my save far back then. And I was just most interested in the bit you mentioned, Minty, of just levelling weapons by entering the weapons. Yeah. And kind of every floor of that in-weapon dungeon being a level I was adding to then the power of that piece of equipment. Just a really novel way of, of making something that can be really, not tedious, but just nothing <laughs> into something. Yeah, It's an interesting way of, of just subverting that enough to take an element you expect there to be in this sort of game, but making it something that is playable and engaging mm. when it never really has been previously. Everything that would be a button press in another game is 
something that you can actually like actively interact with in one form or another. It's astonishing, really. Just the amount of stuff to do. It's breathtaking. It's really, really good. Not a cock chariot in sight. <laughs> no, maybe later. Fingers crossed. So, there we have it. A new game has entered the list. Whose list has it entered? <laughs> this guy. Ah. <laughs> hey! <laughs> oh, wow. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10 for riffing that one. This guy being Minty. Minty, what game did you put in your list this week? Disgaea 5 Alliance of Vengeance. Marvellous. If you've enjoyed this episode or you've enjoyed any of our episodes, please do get in touch with us on social media, at O3C Games on everything. Talk to us about what you're playing. Talk to us about what we're playing. Talk to us about what you'd like to see on the show in the future. Also, please do check out our website, o3c.games. Loads of great reviews, articles, videos, full archive of the podcast and some other bits and bobs as well. And if you fancy getting involved in what we're doing and supporting us, we'd hugely appreciate that. o3c.games slash support. There's the PayPal button. There's links to our Patreon. There's easy share our website links as well. So you could just pimp us out on your social media platforms. We'd really appreciate that too. You can reach out to us individually as well, if you want. I'm on Twitter at Jonathan Dunn. I live, as ever, at Chaz underscore Hodges. And I'm Clement underscore Boo. And please do join us next week when Chris will be telling us about his latest amendment. Correct. Correctment. And now a word from our sponsor. And now a word from our sponsor. And now a word from our sponsor. Previously on Chat of the Wild. But what we have to do is there are these seeds in these little holes that we have to put specific water on mm-hmm. to make them grow up. And we get the Mario uh, sound effect for the vines going up. Yes. Like it's what, what exactly is the sound effect for Mario that they use? <laughs> Can you guys just do that simultaneously again? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Chat of the Wild. Breaking down Zelda and Zelda-like games, one dungeon at a time. Wednesdays on the HyperX Podcast Network. For every episode of No More Whoppers that you listen to, we will send you a 25-cent coupon for participating Krogers. How many Krogers are participating? None, but you're still getting the coupon. And it's like 25 cents in 1985 dollars. Right, so today that's like... 28 cents. No More Whoppers, take that to the bank and smoke it. On the HyperX Podcast Network and nomorewhoppers.com. It's a fan of podcasts. You've probably thought about starting one of your own. Introducing the new HyperX Duocast. The Duocast has all the essential features an aspiring podcaster would want from a USB microphone, with HyperX favourites like Tap to Mute and a vibrant mute indicator. It's compact, elegantly styled, perfect for situations where you want a mic that looks great but isn't too extra. Check out the new HyperX Duocast, available at Target.com, or even Shop Direct at HyperX.com.